Hello and welcome to Around the Nest as we J-talk our way around the Blue Jays minor league system. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler. So good to have you to join me again for another week. There's a lot to talk about this week. Perhaps you've heard, for example, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has been again in the news. When I talk about the news, I'm talking about the home run that he hit that came yesterday. I'm talking on Friday afternoon, whenever you might be listening. It is Friday, May the 4th, and Vladdy Jr. went yard, and he went yard in such a way that the baseball just exploded off of his bat and disappeared quickly into the night. It was gorgeous. And so let us begin this week. Let me bring in Tyler Zickel of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, and let's talk Vladdy. Tyler, how are you? Jesse, I'm fantastic, and I'm happy to be leading off on this May the 4th. And, of course, may the 4th be with you. Yes, sir. Do you have any Star Wars plans at the ballpark that you were at today? So we're here in Binghamton, New York, in the Parlor City at Nysex Stadium. I'm sitting feet away from Tim Hyman, who sends his best. He's one of the voices of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and an all-around great guy. He as well enjoyed Vlad Jr.'s deep shot to left yesterday and was really instrumental in helping us get the video out there as well. So as it relates to Star Wars, I think really the force was used by Vladdy last night. I'm not quite sure if there's any Star Wars themes here in the ballpark, but my game notes, which are nearly finished, will have a little bit of a uh, – Star Wars flair, if you will. <laughs> I love it. Hello to Tim, and hello to Johnny Wincott as well. That's a solid Binghamton crew. You got to see Tim Tebow go yard. They saw Vladdy. What thoughts do you have to add from the video that we see, the broadcast that we have heard? What are your personal observations of him, especially recently? Well, outside of just the absolute display of Herculean strength on that pitch that got out of here in a hurry last night, and I think that the video that Barstool Sports posted that had some interesting NSFW audio in the background pretty much encapsulated everybody's feelings about that moonshot. But more than just the home run, which was just Vladdy's third of the season, I think just the way he goes and attacks pitches when he's in that right mindset, but he's not to take his foot off the gas pedal as well and work a walk or, for that matter, just put the ball in play to drive home a run. I think back to when he laid down a sacrifice bunt on our very first road trip of the season, the first sack bunt of his career, and he did so for the team. So he's continued to be an ultimate team player, yet when he does things like he did last night, you almost think Vlad Jr. could beat everybody by himself. I can imagine. However, he is getting help. And so how about Kevin Biggio? Once again, another week showing pop. He's certainly been a nice surprise. And, of course, as we've talked about around the nest before, Kevin is certainly a guy we knew was talented, but with guys like Bo and Vlad on your roster, as the way the cookie crumbles, if I can borrow a tired cliché, Cabin will get kind of pushed back behind those guys. But this year I think has really been a nice coming out party for him. I interviewed him for the pregame show yesterday and asked him how he's able to be so successful on a consistent basis and also how he's able to respond on days when he goes hitless or isn't as effective at the plate, which of course is rare, but in this game of failure that happens a lot. And what stuck out to me from what Cabin said yesterday is he really focuses on trying to stay pitch to pitch moment to moment and not bringing the past into the present or the future into the present. You know, I once heard that if you're living in the past, you're depressed. If you're living in the future, you're anxious. But if you're living in the present moment, well, that's when you can truly be yourself. And I think this year, more than any year in his previous pro seasons, Kevin Biggio really being himself. And if I could just share some stats with everybody, not only is he batting 320 on the year going into today, and he has six home runs, which leads our club and is third in the circuit, his 19 RBI, 
third in the Eastern League and, of course, second to Vlad Jr., but it's always nice to have two Fisher Cats on that league leaderboard for runs batted in. He's also slugging at a clip of uh, over just over 70%, which is second in the Eastern League behind the Eastern League April Player of the Month, who was one of our opponents here in Binghamton, Peter Alonso, and, of course, the on-base percentage for Kevin is high, meaning his OPS is one of the tops in the circuit as well. And I think one thing that really stands out for me more than everything we've just discussed was his 417 batting average against left-handers, and, of course, as a left-handed bat, that's not necessarily something that's easy to do. So whether it's power, whether it's pop, whether it's just finding ways to put the ball in play, I've really liked having Kevin Biggio as the cleanup man for the Fisher Cats this season. Has there been a key for him in hitting left-handed pitchers so successfully? You know, I asked him that yesterday during that pregame show interview, and he wasn't really able to target anything specific that he does against left-handers. He did say that he's always seemed to have a little bit more success against lefties, even going back to his college days at Notre Dame compared to right-handers. But I think it goes back to his philosophy of just trying to take things pitch to pitch, not allowing anything outside of his control, as in which side the pitcher is coming at from the mound, get in the way of his job and his goal, which is to hit the ball hard every time up. Let's hear some audio from this week. This is Tyler Zickel broadcasting from the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Let's first go back to Wednesday. Here's Kevin Biggio dramatically. Biggio, the left-hander, he swings and belts one to deep right field. If it's there, it's gone. That's a fair ball, folks. Another home run from Kevin Biggio. He's gone deep in his last two ABs, number six this season, and a one nothing lead for the Fisher Cats. And then from yesterday, here's Tyler Zickel on the call for Vladdy. 1-1 ripped, no doubt. See ya, Vlad Guerrero Jr. with a laser beam off of a billboard in left field, and his solo shot makes it 5-3 Fisher Cats here in the fifth. Tyler, that ball clearly got in a hurry. Question came in from Bluebird Banter, simply about the defensive ability of your guys. We can talk about their offensive style, but let me ask you, Vladdy, uh, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, what are your thoughts of them defensively? So I guess if there's going to be one thing you could knock Vlad Jr. for, it would be his defense. And, of course, I think everybody by now, not just in the Blue Jays organization, but throughout baseball knows that Vlad Jr. is a big league-ready hitter. But the reason that he is still down with Double A New Hampshire is because he needs to continue to get more reps at third base. He makes a lot of solid plays. He makes the routine plays more often than not. But sometimes he just gets a little too aggressive on defense. He made a couple of errors last night that, in fact, were a part of a big inning for Binghamton that was a part of that 10-6 loss. I certainly don't want to say those defensive miscues were the reason the Fisher Cats lost. But defense for Vlad definitely is like the last thing that he just needs to polish up to go and rise to become the perennial all-star that we certainly hope he will become, as do Blue Jays faithful as well. As for Bo Bichette, he's been excellent at shortstop. He's one of those guys where the ball's hit out there, and you expect the play to be made no matter where the ball is, whether it's in the hole, up the middle, right at him, or hit short on the infield grass. And then Kevin Bichette, he's been incredibly versatile on the right side of the infield. Second base is where he gets most of his reps, but when Lourdes Gurriel started the season with us, Cabin was slotted over to first base, and he performed very well. One guy I'd like to give a tip of the cap to on defense is Gunnar Hype. He's a guy who certainly might not make headlines, especially when you've got players like Vlad Bowen and Cabin on your roster. But on defense, Gunnar has been the jack-of-all-trades. He's played first. He's played second. He's played third. He's played short last night when Bull got the night off. He then slotted into left field last night after an ejection forced Bo Bichette to come into the game. So Gunnar Hype really is that versatile defender that can play anywhere around the field. And if I had to pick a candidate to play all nine positions in one game, Gunnar Height would get my vote. 
He's also a great surfer. He can fish. He can golf. Okay, talking with Tyler Zickel about the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Connor Fisk gets called up to AAA, makes a smashing debut yesterday for Pat Malacaro's Buffalo Bisons. I was reading a story about how the Blue Jays people said, right when Fisk, right when they saw him in spring training camp, they loved how he was attacking batters. This began with you this year in AA. What were your thoughts on Connor Fisk moving up, and were you surprised by yesterday? You said it perfectly, Jesse, is that he goes and he attacks these hitters, and he really is not scared on the mound. He has been really, he was, I should say, really durable for the Cats, both in long relief as well as coming in late in games and making sure to shut down opposing batters. I think back to our first extra innings game of the season in Hartford on the road, and Fisk was able to work through that runner at second base. He was, in fact, I think the very first pitcher in Fisher Cats history to have to contend with that runner at second, but he was able to come into games late, pressure pack situations. He also pitched a couple of times when the Cats were down big early, and John Schneider needed somebody from the bullpen to eat up some innings. And so to see what he did yesterday up at Buffalo, really not a surprise, but of course, very excited and happy for the pride of Brown Deer, Wisconsin, that's for sure. I want to go back to Vladdy and Bo real quick, especially Vladdy because I'm seeing a lot of noise on Twitter, and rightfully so, right, with everybody saying, when is he going to get called up? When do the Blue Jays make the call? How much are you personally hearing? How much are you having to answer that same question, and what do you say? Well, if we had a dollar, and by we I mean the Fisher Cats Twitter team, if we had a dollar for every time we saw replies or tweets about call him up or it's time or why are you guys holding him down there, Plenty of people's handles have been changed to Vlad is ready on Blue Jays Twitter. So we'd have a lot of dollars if we counted up all the different times that fans have tweeted at us saying, let's call him up already. Why haven't the Blue Jays put him on their big league roster? So while we certainly understand the clamoring for Vlad Jr.'s arrival on the big league scene, I think patience will be a virtue for everybody involved, both here with the Fisher Cats and in the Blue Jays organization. But most importantly for the fans of Blue Jays Nation, I think Vlad's time is coming soon. And if everybody can just take a deep breath and just enjoy the moment as he continues to romp in the Eastern League, I think everybody will be better off in A. Now, of course, I'm biased, and I say that slightly selfishly because for the longer that Vlad is with A New Hampshire, that's the longer I get to see him do what he did last night and more. So at the same time, I can certainly appreciate the desire to see him up there. But soon enough, Vlad's time will come. And I have a feeling, as most all of us do, that Vlad will be making an impact for the Blue Jays at the big league level for a long, long time. It was my joke last year because people would ask us the same questions. And I'd say, what, you want to take them away from us? We're enjoying this too much. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Tyler Zickel, voice of the New Hampshire Fisher Cats, who are just flying high. The Fisher Cats record entering play today, 15-9. They're a half game above the Trenton Thunder, first place in the Eastern League Eastern Division, and that is also the best record in the Eastern League. Tyler, thank you very much for dropping by. Thank you, Jesse, as always. Cheers to the Blue Jays. Cheers to all the fellas, and most importantly, be a good voice up and down the system. Hey, yes, sir. And from AA New Hampshire, let's go to A Advanced Dunedin. Jim Tarabokia, how's by you? Hey, buddy, how's it going? Going good. We had Dan Venn drop by last week. We got to hear his words. We got to hear his thoughts, his observations. For you, I just asked Tyler about Connor Fisk going up to AAA and pitching so well. What were your thoughts when you saw Justin Dillon move up and fire two and two-thirds perfect, striking out five yesterday? Yeah, I thought, I thought um, first of all, I was happy for him. And, um, you know, it's no secret that he struggled a bit here as a starter. 
And I, I ultimately think he's going to be a bullpen guy. There's nothing wrong with that. And to see him succeeding in the bullpen um, with the stuff that he has yesterday, that felt really good. And you know what? He can come back down here um, later on in the year maybe and succeed as a, um, as a starter. You know, you never know, right? But I think yesterday really, um, or whenever he pitched those two and two-thirds, I can't remember, um, I was very happy for him to, to see him succeed out of the bullpen. For your DJs, let's talk about your latest rehabber. Your thoughts about Josh Donaldson? Well, you know, he's uh, offensively, he, I watched him up close in BP the other day, and it was uh, a spectacle. It was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, again, running well, swinging it well. His uh, final game here it was in Bradenton with us, and uh, he got two hits, including an RBI, and he walked two, so he's on base all three times that he was up, and he had to make a long throw from third as well, and it, um, it looked pretty strong. So, um, you know, it looks like he's pretty healthy, ready to go, and, um, you know, it was a lot of fun watching him, um, first of all, you know, at, at home, but also to see him on the road, go on the road, help out some younger guys, and, um, you know, just be Josh Donaldson. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> I can imagine. Let's talk about your Dunedin Blue Jays right now. You started off this month of May with three successive losses, and yet, what were the silver linings that you've seen? You know, it's, you know, it's right now we've lost actually four, uh, five straight, and it's tough yeah. to see silver linings. But to me, Jesse, the, I think that you know, you bring up a good question. I think the real silver lining here is the fact that Palacios is hitting well, that Logan Warmoth is going the other way, hitting it the other way. Um, Edward Pinto um, leads the league in um, strikeout ratio. I forget what the statistic actually is, but uh, he strikes. He has struck out the least uh, per bat. I'll, I'll put it that way um, in the league. So you know, at the bottom of the order, he's getting on base. DJ Davis is hitting well too. But you know, once we get the guys, the big boppers going here, Nash Knight's doing well. But you know, once we get Bradley Jones going, he's shown flashes in Riley Adams as well. You know, I, I'm staying positive. I think we'll be okay. You know, you go through those those. Uh, stints uh, offensively throughout the year. But, uh, you know, in terms of silver linings, I think you look at, you know, T.J. Zoy pitched well again last night, seven innings quality start. Unfortunately gave up that two-run home run. We didn't score for him. But, you know, that's a silver lining right there pitching-wise. And, um, you know, another silver lining, unfortunately, he's no longer with us. And, and good for him. He's in double-A. It's Kirby Snead. He's very solid out of the bullpen as well. So, um, you know, the five-game losing streak, yes, it's a five-game loss streak. And, yes, we're hitting 182 in our last five games. But I, I think it's a losing streak where we're not getting dominated. We're just not scoring. And, unfortunately, um, you know, not scoring and going through a rough stretch right now. We've lost five straight, but it's not like a deflating um, five-game losing streak. I think we can easily come back from it. Taking a closer look at a couple of those guys, Kirby Sneed, how uncomfortable were left-handed batters against him? Uh, well, very, because, um, you know, you look at, at Kirby, uh, he's got that low, somewhat low three-quarter arm slot. He kind of slings in there. It's more like a, I think, a, like a, I don't know, two o'clock to three o'clock delivery, um, in other words, if you use scouting terms. So, um, you know, and then, of course, he's got that slider that has late break to it on two planes. doesn't look it, but, you know, when you get up up close, you know, behind the plane and watch him, it's, it breaks on two planes, and it has that, that pretty nasty movement, especially left-handed batters low and away, low and into right-handed hitters. And you know what? He's a bulldog. You know, I remember that from last year. He's, he's just an absolute bulldog. I mean, he will go out there, and he will compete every time. So, um, you know, with, with Kirby, uh, he just it was just very tough for left-handed batters to also pick up the baseball as well. Not T.J. Zoic. I saw from Keegan Matheson. He did give up the home run. 
He also got 12 yeah. ground outs and zero outs in the air. So besides that home run swing, how much was he getting that downward plane working for him? Well, that's what he does. We talked about that last year, right? I mean, that's, that's he's, he's, uh, I think his ground out to air out ratio is 2.35. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, so it's ridiculously good. Um, so his fastball, you know, for the most part, is set 93 to 94. But, again, he's being T.J. Zoic, getting that downward plane, um, you know, decent arm action. And um, that fastball, it also, you see a lot of times, too, guys will weakly ground out, and they, the right-handed batters will push it the other way because they're late on it because it has that late life. So um, that fastball with T.J. has looked, well, looked really good the last couple of times out. Uh, a couple of times, uh, a couple of starts ago, he didn't have, um, any strikeouts that he induced, I think it was 11 ground ball outs. So, I mean, it's just, it's really, it, it makes it for an, it makes for an easy game, you know, seeing this guy just continue to induce ground ball after ground ball. And lastly, with Jim Tarabokia, voice of the Dunedin Blue Jays, I want to come back to this Bluebird banter question, basically saying we talk a lot about the top prospects offense. We don't talk all that much about the top prospects defense. For your guys on your team who are very highly regarded, how does their defense look? Uh, Logan's defense looks very good uh, when he plays shortstop. He moves laterally well uh, from the hole at short. He has an excellent arm. Edward Pinto, I forgot about this last year, but again with him, he was hurt uh, towards the end of the year. But he has an excellent arm. He can play left field, right field. He can run them down with anybody. He can throw out guys to the plate. So his defense is very, very good. And then uh, Josh Palacios can really run him down in center field. And he can also play right field very successfully uh, as well. So, you know, and Bradley Jones, by the way, can move around a little bit. And he can go to, to, to different spots, uh, you know, whether it be third base, first base, or even play some second base and still be successful as well. In fact, he is um, – at second base, yes, he's at second base tonight. So, um, you know, defensively, there's some guys that, that can really, I mean, it wouldn't, you wouldn't know it because we lead the league in errors, unfortunately, but, I mean, there's some guys that have some real standout tools to be good defenders. At Jim Terra on Twitter, DunedinBlueJays.com. Jim, before you go, let me tell you, the Lugnuts were just on the road, and the broadcaster for the other team dropped by my booth, and he said, so I was listening to your A-Advanced affiliate, and that guy can really call a game. Oh, yeah? Who's, and who's that? Dan Hasty with the West Michigan Whitecaps was really impressed and really enjoyed listening to you. Well, tell him I said thank you, and now I'm going to have to send him a nice email. There you go. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. You got it. <laughs> All right. All right From brother. Jim in Dunedin, let's go up to AAA and Pat Malacara with the Buffalo Bisons. Pat, how are you? Oh, things are good here today, Jesse. Uh, there's a little bit of rain here in Buffalo right now. Tarps on the field expect to play baseball, but uh, even bigger news as we head into Blue Jays weekend, which makes things around the ballpark uh, pretty exciting right now. Yes. Let's talk about this developmental extension. PDC extension just announced. Take me through it. Yeah, so the Bisons and Blue Jays announced earlier today that we are going to stay affiliates for two, at least two more seasons, as long as um, that's, the, that's the longest right now that uh, you can be affiliated uh, in professional baseball. So a great uh, – partnership between the Bisons and the Blue Jays, which has been five years now to its sixth season here, will be extended for two more years. And Ben Charrington, uh, the vice president of baseball operations, was down meeting with the media today, along with uh, the Bisons vice president and general manager, Mike Butchkowski. And uh, understandably, a lot of the questions revolved around whether or not we'd see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bobichet here in Buffalo soon, uh, sooner rather than later. But um, there were plenty of uh, excitement. And, and I, I know just talking to Ben Charrington a little bit, He's excited by the players that are already here and some of the veteran talent that's been mixed in 
with that young talent. So uh, it's an exciting day here in Buffalo. It's a big weekend coming up. It's Blue Jays weekend, and we've celebrated Blue Jay weekend now all six years of our affiliation. So to have the announcement of the extension of the PDC uh, to coincide with uh, Blue Jays weekend where Lode Mosby and Jesse Barfield are going to be here tomorrow, uh, it just sort of goes hand in hand. And it feels right. The timing feels right. About your roster, you've been in Buffalo a good long time, and I would talk to Ben Wagner about the makeup of your team. You just mentioned what Ben Sherrington thought. What do you think about the makeup of this current Bisons roster? Well, it's funny. If we talked a week ago, I would say it's it's shaping up very nicely in terms of the prospects and the consistency we've seen in those prospects being here this season. But with the doubleheader in Cleveland yesterday for the Blue Jays and their extra inning game in Minnesota, there's been a lot of roster upheaval. Uh, yesterday alone, there were six player moves, including Gifting Gope being option at one point, then designated for assignment. Uh, so all told, there were two new players, Justin Dillon, Connor Fisk joined the team. They came out of the bullpen last night, were excellent. So right now we're in that sort of uh, roster turnover period and more moves seemingly around the way with um, I just saw the, the lineup from Toronto or from Tampa Bay for the Jays a few minutes ago. Dalton Pompey has found his way back to the big league. So there's even more roster turnover coming. And unfortunately, that usually means that, you know, the team is going to struggle and scuffle a little bit. But with guys like Anthony Alford already here and being here for a little while, a guy like Ian Parmley, who's been on the bench chopping at the bit to get back in the lineup, I don't know that there's going to be that much of a, 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 a drop-off from what has gone to the big leagues to what is still here. Well, I've already asked both Tyler in New Hampshire and Jim in Dunedin about, from yesterday, your shutout, Connor Fisk getting called up, Justin Dillon getting called up, and the guys pitching in and pitching well in the combined shutout. You do get the chance to see these new faces. You do get the chance to see guys get opportunities. What were your thoughts about yesterday's shutout win? Uh, I mean, you can't talk well enough about Connor Fisk and his three and a third and Justin Dillon to get the save to close it out over the last two and two-thirds. I mean, they combined for seven strikeouts. It was a day where Joe Biagini got called to the big leagues and made the start in the second game of the doubleheader. Taylor Guerrero was going to only throw 45 pitches. He threw through 40, and it was up to those two young players to really save this Bison bullpen, which had been taxed and had lost several arms over the last couple of days. They did incredible work. Fisk gets the win here for just a handful of hours. It was the longest relief outing of the season for anybody out of the Bison bullpen, and for Justin Dillon, who I know started um, with uh, Dunedin this season, you know, he could give them some length if they needed. He only had to go two and two-thirds to pick up the save, and he had players, one of them who was just in his second year of affiliated baseball. Um, I really feel like you could not have written a better story and asked for any more out of those two young players yesterday. It is interesting looking at your Buffalo Bisons, and we talked about how the transactions affect. This comes directly a, a question from Bluebird Banter, just wondering what is it like to be in the midst of that, where you and the players are saying what dominoes are going to fall next? Well, it's funny. In, in my role in media relations, it means uh, the transaction page has to be uh, gone over with a fine-tooth comb and make sure I didn't miss anything. But, um, yeah, it, it's one of those things where – Guys are happy for one another. Um, I, I don't get the sense that guys are looking around here saying, well, why did this guy go up or, or why wasn't it me this time? And, I, you, know, you know, there always can be that delicate balance of guys looking around and saying, why him or why, why not me? I don't get that sense at all. And I think that goes to tell you just how 
close and cohesive this unit here is in Buffalo and how these guys have come up organizationally together, the culture that's been built. And then, all right, the next question is, Dwight Smith Jr. goes up. Dalton Pompey's going up. It's my opportunity to get back in the lineup for a guy like Ian Parmley or for Roman Fields, who was the team MVP last year, struggling to get to 200 in the batting average right now. All right, I came up last year at the end of April, and I never went back to double-A opportunity again. So I think it transitions quickly into how do I make the most out of this opportunity and how do I help the club succeed, and that's what we're going to see. How about Deck McGuire? He goes to the mound tonight. I've been watching him, following his progress very closely. Here he comes back to the Blue Jays organization. What have you seen from him? Yeah, he's the guy who's talked about he has a lot of unfinished business, and he feels like being a first-round pick, there's a lot of expectations and a lot of pressure um, put on himself to perform for the Blue Jays organization, and he just didn't do it the first time around, having not made the big leagues as a first-round pick. So coming back now, He's uh, much older now in terms of, you know, baseball experiences, life experiences, and he, he's sort of let that weight go off his shoulders. But he also feels like he does still have something to prove. And I don't know that he's going to have nine strikeouts every time like he did against Pawtucket last time out, but I think you're going to see a pitcher much like the nine innings he's thrown over his last two starts, giving up a total of four hits, only one run, gotten the walks down a little bit and picked up more strikeouts. So, He's a guy that's going to sit on the mound very cerebral and pitch with what he um, what has gotten him to this point and got him to the big leagues last year, and I think that can't be discounted either. The fact that he spent all of last year in double-A Pensacola was rewarded after 28 starts with them and a league championship to go to the big leagues with Cincinnati, get that confidence and that exposure to the big leagues, and that can translate here in Buffalo. At Pat WGR on Twitter, Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd. It is Blue Jays weekend this weekend as they host Syracuse. So come on out to the ballpark, meet Lloyd Mosby, meet Jesse Barfield. That's all going to happen tomorrow. And Pat, happy Blue Jays weekend, happy extension of the PDC, and have some great calls. Thank you, Jesse. You too. You've got it. Well, I'm Jesse Goldberg Strassler with the Lansing Lugnuts. Glad to have you along with me. Uh, questions about the Lugnuts, specific players with the Lansing Lugnuts, we can talk about some guys. For example, how about the pop? How about this, which occurred this past week? Pitch on its way. Breaking ball hammered to left field. This baseball's got a chance. Back of the wall. It is gone. That'll work. Kevin Smith victimizes his old college teammates. Lugnuts, too. Cougars won. The pitch. Clemens hits it high and deep to left center field. This baseball's carrying. You can kiss it goodbye. Home run Casey Clemens off the view in left center field. His sixth home run of the season. A solo shot. 4-2 Lansing lead. Almonte throws. Hit high and deep to right field. Did he get enough? Back to the wall, Gorman. Will Gorman watches, and it is long gone into the ivy. Brock Lundquist goes deep. Five to two, Lugnuts. The pitch. He hits it high and deep to center field. Ernie Della Trindad goes back at the wall. That baseball is... Out of here! It's another solo home run to dead center by Chavez. 
six to two Lugnuts. So the Lansing Lugnuts continue to flex their muscles. They're now 18-9 this year. They lead the Midwest League in home runs, in doubles, stolen bases, total bases, base hits, walks, slugging percentage, OPS, and you can keep on going. The run differential is just extraordinary, and there's enormous run separation between the runs that they have scored and the next most runs scored in the Midwest League. The offense is doing its job. Maverick Buffo, four scoreless innings in relief yesterday. Today we're going to see the 6-7 Colton Laws. And then he'll be piggybacked by Maximo Castillo. Talk about two strike throwers on the bump. But Jensi Diaz receives the headlines. He was named the Midwest League April Player of the Month because all he continues to do is not allow anything. The hits, six, and I believe 94 at-bats. The runs, one earned run the entire year. He just goes out there and he fires zeros. And you've got Jensi throwing six innings after six innings after six innings. And Zach Logue, who three consecutive starts, has gone six innings. Ty Tice, brilliant, out of the bullpen in relief. The Lansing Lugnuts have put together a winning roster with a bunch of guys who aren't the blue-chip prospects, but who are putting their names on the map. How do those prospects look defensively? Well, Kevin Smith, we've seen him at third base. We've seen him at shortstop. He's handled things well. Kevin Vicuña uh, has more errors just because of, let's call them concentration lapses, but Vicuña has tremendous range and arm. And Samad Taylor at second base has shown great ceiling. And Taylor's bat is coming around recently too. Uh, Samad Taylor had been struggling at home plate, just trying to do too much. Well, now he's stopped that. Brock Lundquist has shown off tremendous pop. He's getting much more comfortable after having hemate bone surgery in the offseason. And Casey Clemens is doing Casey Clemens things. Tied for the Midwest League in home runs, and he is tied for second in the league in walks. It is awesome. That does it for another week of Around the Nest. Enjoy the baseball, and thank you for listening. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler.